0: What's up, TD Fantasy listeners? Jake Arians here. Not only am I one of your co-hosts on the podcast of TD Fantasy, I'm also very privileged and proud to be the president of the Arians Family Foundation, the foundation that we started to honor my mom and the work that she's done uh, for underprivileged kids uh, throughout her entire life. So for more information, go to AriansFamilyFoundation.com, at AriansFF on all your social media outlets. It's the TD
1: Fantasy. The TD Fantasy Podcast TD Fantasy Podcast with your host Paige Demacos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians.
0: Welcome into the TD Fantasy Podcast, Paige Demacos and Jamie Eisner. Today we promised you on Monday that we would discuss the coaching staffs that have been put together because we evaluated just the head coaches. Uh, If you haven't listened to that episode, you should go back and listen to it. All three of us were there. We went through uh, just grades, just strictly grades uh, on an initial level before any of their staffs had been completed, what we thought of of just the head coaching hires. And now we're going to get into more of the nitty gritty. There are still some that haven't been cemented yet because they're waiting on teams to lose uh, Cincinnati, we're looking at you. So, uh, we'll get to those. We will, we will have a complete list at some point. It will be an off season discussion. And as these staffs continue to fill out, we'll, uh, we'll continue to discuss from a philosophical standpoint, what they all bring to the table. Uh, because you know, this, this podcast specifically talks about coaching, I think more than any other podcast. And that's because one of the people that's on this podcast, dad, has coached football for 40 years. So I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, and we'll talk
2: about his staff in a little bit here, too.
0: Yeah. Oh, we definitely got to talk about his staff. There is there is a lot to talk about and digest in that staff uh, and talk about, as as I've said, you can call me biased, but when you talk about putting together a full staff, it's hard to look at that staff and evaluate that that wasn't the best in totality that was done uh, this offseason for, for those teams. What we are going to start with today is Gary Kubiak was initially reported to be the Denver Broncos offensive coordinator. Apparently there was some differences of philosophy. Uh, I think what happened behind the scenes is it's been reported by numerous uh, big time NFL reporters, I think Rapoport, a couple others, that Vic Fangio basically got the job because he told Elway that he could pick his staff. And, and it was one or the other, and Elway went between him and Munchak, and and it was a lot of, hey, I'm going to be able to hand – I'm going to have a heavy involvement in choosing staff. And Gary Kubiak and John Elway are very good friends. Um, but I think if – I can speak on this because I know Vic. I've interviewed Vic, and I know the reputation he has. Vic is a big personality, and I don't know that – him and Gary Kubiak would have meshed all that well. And I think that's when you talk about a difference of philosophy, I think that's what was reported. So now Gary Kubiak is not doing that. Uh, it's been reported uh, he is going to be a part of the Minnesota Vikings staff. He's not going to be the offensive coordinator. He's going to be a different title we're not quite sure uh my joke to jamie and i will stick with it is that he's going to do whatever the hell mike zimmer tells him to do because we saw what happened to the last guy that didn't do what mike zimmer wanted him to do
2: well it's also it, it's a good combination here because again mike zimmer comes from a defensive background he's a defensive coach he was the, the architect of of those strong cincinnati defenses the years they made the playoffs and lost in Boston, the first round every other second the first saturday afternoon game uh, and, and, again, Kubiak has a long track record as a head coach and as an offensive, particularly quarterback mind. He's a former quarterback himself. Obviously, he and Elway had that relationship. It is strange to me because we did talk on the show about how it's important that Vic Fangio finds a very strong offensive mind to kind of help that guide that side of the ball a little bit more because he probably has the defensive side there on lock. But for the Vikings, this is great news. I mean, get the Kubiak hire with Kevin Stefanski still there, I think they can kind of combine – uh, their brain power and try to find a happy medium for this offense that regressed last year. Mm-hmm. You upgraded at the quarterback position. You upgraded a little bit at the running back position because of Dalvin Cook played more games in the year prior, yet you regressed as a team and regressed as an offense. So you have yeah. to figure out what happened there because it wasn't the talent. So now you have to figure out what went wrong coaching wise and fix that this offseason. Because would any of us be surprised if the Vikings win that division next year? No, I don't think anybody would. And that's not a knock on the Bears. Just the Vikings are.
1: A very good That's team. a team we thought
2: would win 10, 11, 12 games yeah. this year that just didn't. So, uh, to me, I really like that higher there. I think Kubiak could still coach. Was, the only question of Kubiak was his health. It wasn't his ability to coach, it wasn't no. his ability to get the most out of his players on the offensive oh, side. Definitely of the ball. not. It was the ability, can he stay healthy or will, will he be healthy enough? Because he had, I mean, you, we have to go back and remember. We, heard, we hear the term health scare a lot. Kubiak collapsed on the field.
0: Yeah, no, it was very like we, scary. We, we
2: have seen very scary moments. So, again, first and foremost, we hope, we hope his health is at a point where. He can he can handle the stress level of being, whether an offensive assistant or assistant yeah. head coach, whatever they end up giving him that title. But I think it's a great hire for the oh, Vikings yeah, for and sure. for the Broncos. You still need to find somebody else in that role, and again, there's plenty of time. There are four teams still playing. There are good position coaches that are on these four teams that might be able to you know ascend into those roles. But you do need to find somebody for that side of the ball.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I think the it's a home run hire for for the Minnesota Vikings. And I think on the Gary Kubiak side, hopefully because he isn't going to be the head coach, there's a difference between the level of expectation and pressure um, amongst the coaching staff because the head coach for good or for, for good or for bad takes most of the heat. Uh, yes. If not on, if not all of the heat and that's just kind of how it goes. And I think for him, it, did, it wasn't – he didn't want to walk away from football. He was forced he to walk to. away because of his health. And I'm hoping that this is a good way for him to kind of jump back in, ease his way back in, see if he can handle the level of pressure that it is Right now, while maintaining his health, because listen, this is a guy who could be a head coach again. I mean, he totally is deserving of being. He, he, he a head could have coach even again. been
2: hired this cycle if he was able to. do Absolutely, it. but it's probably think, a good thing that he did. I think this is. Health.
0: I think this is a good thing for him to step back in, and and this will be a good evaluation for him uh, with his health, whether or not he can he can sustain that. And from the football side, Gary Kubiak's a hell of a coach. This is yeah. a huge upgrade, like you said. I echo everything that you you already said, and and listen, Minnesota cannot really get any worse on offense than they were last year. I mean, it was – There's
2: too much talent on that team on both sides of the ball to be barely over 500. Yeah. Like, I'm, no, I'm sorry. like he, It
0: was not – and, and to not be able to score points the way that they struggled um, with this season. As somebody who obviously watches this division very closely, and I watched this team up close and personal on Sunday Night Football in Chicago, they could not move the ball – at all. And I know the Bears defense yeah. was incredible, but it's, I mean, the, in this division, they struggled against everybody. And that is a problem if you're going to want to be the caliber of team we thought they were going to be. Uh, the next hire that's uh, some some news this morning before we get into the full stats is Jaguars are reportedly hiring John DeFilippo to be on their staff in Jacksonville. Listen, Jacksonville... You can connect the dots a lot. I joked with Jamie off the podcast about connecting the dots with Nick Foles, yeah. mostly because they need a quarterback. Yes. But uh, this this makes sense for a lot of reasons because John DeFillippo was the quarterback's coach in Philadelphia when Nick Foles and, and Carson Wentz were there during their Super Bowl year just less than a year ago. It seems like it's hey, been no. a couple of years since because of where John DeFillippo, mm-hmm. how he's – Risen and fallen so quickly. Um, but this is a good this is a good hire for Jacksonville, in my opinion. And listen, they can't get any less innovative on offense, so it's the expectations are not very high.
2: No, look, the, the Jacksonville has a lot of problems on the offensive side of the ball. Their quarterback situation is a mess, and they know it. Their running back situation is a mess right now. I'm not sure Leonard Fournette is long for that Jaguars team. He could play the whole season there, but they also they maneuvered his contract in a way that. They want to get rid of them; they can very easily without a lot of penalty for it. So it, it's going to be extremely interesting to see what they do there. This was a completely lost season, and that's putting it kindly for what Jackson for Jacksonville. Yep. But again, that defense, which did not play up to its expectations either. I mean, I know we focused a lot on the offensive side of the ball and their struggles this year, but that defense did not live up to expectations. And by the way, Jalen Ramsey's still talking.
0: Yeah, I, let me give you a little Maybe you in. shut up
2: this off, Dude, you're an awesome talent, but maybe this is the offseason you shut your mouth.
0: I, I I have yet to figure out why somebody else, it, whether it's his agent. Why isn't
2: Calais Campbell? Cal-
0: that's what I'm saying. Like, One of the him, guys like, on the defense telling him, shut the hell up, Jalen. You're not doing us any favors, bro. Like, I don't care just, how great you were. You just got your ass kicked for The team four months. Sucked. Yeah, your team sucked. And guess what? That's nice that you played well. You play a team sport, bro. It doesn't matter yeah. that you played well. Ask Patrick Peterson how he enjoyed this season. Yeah. He didn't care. Guess why? Because his team sucked and it wasn't enjoyable. So you better figure that out because that's nobody wants the guy on their team that's like that. No. I don't care how talented you are. They want You want to win football games at the end of the day. It's not fun to lose. They're all competitors.
2: Yeah, and so we'll see what happens there. Look, that's a team that could turn things around quickly. I don't think that division is- that division is stronger than it was at the beginning of last year because Andrew Luck's healthy now, and we see seen the Texans can do. Sure. But it's also a winnable division. That's a division you can win with 10 wins.
0: I still don't think Bill O'Brien's a good enough coach to get the maximum talent out of that team, I, I, I until proven otherwise. Yeah, I, think that, I think that team is the ultimate wild card weekend we're out every year, the wild card. I, I want
2: to give a shout-out to a, uh, another podcast, the Round the NFL podcast, and I believe that they use this term. Uh, I, I always refer to it as the Cincinnati Bengals spot, which yeah. is the, 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 it was or, the early while. Saturday game game but the team they always they oftentimes played and lost to with the texans so they, they call it a Texanist. that's the name <laughs> they're giving that spot and, and that's what it is it's like i expect them to be a playoff team and i expect
0: them to do nothing once they get there yeah they're just not to me there isn't of all the afc teams this year it was the team all season long everybody on this podcast was like yeah they're winning games but we don't believe in them and, and, and until you prove to me otherwise, I just don't believe there's been so and many. And that was a
2: dreadful yes. performance.
0: Dreadful, per- dreadful performance. performance dreadful, game. dreadful game plan. I just – I don't believe that Bill O'Brien's the guy. I, I just, like I said, prove it to me otherwise. Um, but from a Jacksonville we'll, – we'll finish here. They – that division, with the exception of Andrew Luck and that team, nobody else really scares you. Uh, at least if, if I'm Jacksonville – you have a lot of talent on that football team, and if you can upgrade at the yeah. quarterback position, which isn't very hard, because your team—they just—they
2: got to do it though. They, they have to. They, they have don't. to
0: pull the trigger. You gotta. You gotta. I would do whatever it takes to get Nick Foles. Whatever. They gotta get it takes. something.
2: They gotta get something because you, you're win You still have a Super Bowl window, and yep. that's weird to say for a team that didn't win that many games last year. But your defense is still set up for a short and sh- a very short Super Bowl window. You're paying a lot of players on that defense a lot of money. You only have a few guys on the defense that are young and are on rookie. It's deals. Just,
0: it's, it, they, they're definitely in that Super Bowl window because le- a year ago, coming up this weekend. They should have been there. They, exactly. I'm sorry, right. they were the better team than they the Patriots the, in that they game. Were the they were the better team than the New England Patriots, which doesn't happen very often, especially considering they played in Foxborough yeah. for that game.
2: They should have won that game, they Could have should have won it, they didn't. Yeah. They and look, didn't. The, when I say the division isn't anything special, you might say, well, the, there's, no, there's no really bad team in the AFC South. But there's no great team either, and I think sometimes that's actually more beneficial because if you, you, if you, you could be a good team in the AFC East, didn't really matter last few years, it. You could be a good team in the, in the NFC West. Well, that's great. The Rams are there. There's not a great team. Well, nobody in that division may – everyone in that division might win seven or more games next year, but they're all going to be in that, like, seven to ten range. Yeah. That division is winnable, even for the Jaguars. It's winnable. But not if they come back with another the, year. Blake Bortles, they like, can't come back with the same no. roster. They no. just can't.
0: No, it's he's not. Blake Bortles is not good enough to win a Super Bowl. He's just not. He's not a good it's enough not good quarterback. To win he's not a good the enough division. Yeah, I mean, he. I know, that, I know they, they did it. but They like, pieced it together last year because their defense played at such an extraordinary level. It's really hard to consistently have that level of defense. You're talking to somebody who knows it all too well. It, the league is set up for offense to succeed, and you have to have – I'm not saying great defense can still win, but you have to have at least average Offensive play—you can't, You can't you can not throw away the football, and that's what Blake Bortles does way too often for that team to be successful. And, and I
2: think that that's a key point, too, is you, you're looking at a team that you've seen great defenses win Super Bowls, but they win Super Bowls with game managers. They win Super Bowls with quarterbacks that don't make mistakes.
0: Yeah, Joe Flacco, Trent Dilfer, in those seasons, right? right.
2: No, and, and Joe Flacco, that playoff run wasn't a game manager. No, Joe he Flacco was great. Was a very, uh, that was, was the best great. month I've ever seen Joe Flacco yeah. play. But you think of the Brad Johnsons of the world. You think yeah. of the Trent Dilfer's of the world. You think Good. of the Jeff of the world. They didn't throw you the ball even, two or three times a game.
0: Even the year the Bears didn't win the Super Bowl, what got to Grossman, the Super Bowl? Yeah. Rex Grossman. I mean, that's the, he. He did enough to make sure that the defense, because you knew the defense and the special teams were going to well, score. And any that's points. the
2: other thing too was that the Bears' special teams. I mean, that's, that's exactly Except,
0: exceptional, exceptional. But if you have two phases of the game that are great. You just need the other face to not be back.
2: One more thing I want to rant on before we end the Jacksonville comment because we talked about special teams. Yes. Somebody made a very stupid comment on the air during the Patriots oh, uh, the Patriots game. They said Cordero Patterson was the best kick returner they've ever seen.
0: L O L. Coach. L O L.
2: No, no. For so he's not like the best kick returner in the league right now. No. And oh, I'm sorry. Does Devin? Did Devin Hester die?
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. That's. Did like- Dante the-
2: Hall? Did uh, – I mean
0: uh, – I'm sorry. Deion Sanders.
2: I know, I know that I'm – Brian Mitchell. I, I mean, did all these guys just – I mean, come on.
0: I know that I'm obviously Desmond biased, Howard. But Devin Hester, the year the year that the Bears went to the Super Bowl. Devin
2: Hester's the greatest game return I've ever seen. Ever. And I will not hear period, nothing otherwise. Period.
0: Period. End of sentence. He is I, – I have pushed Hall of Fame level for him because he impacted he be. so if, if, many if, games in his position. If we're going to put did,
1: kickers
2: and punters, correct. special team specialists in, Thank we should you. have – Devin Hester changed the game like no other player ever has.
0: Ever. He uh, – guys, there is there is one – People forget,
2: he was mu- – he made kickoffs must-see.
0: Yes. He made every – the first – the most exciting beginning to a Super Bowl ever yes. was Devin Hester it. returning the kickoff for a touchdown. It was in that mo- – that is the greatest moment of Bears football don't, I've ever watched.
2: There's a phrase, don't kick to Devin Hester. Yes, I, I mean, the, all the stuff was uh, – you know, then the Bears tried to convert him to a wide receiver and that
0: didn't go so well. But –
2: this is not the Devin Hester podcast. No, I
0: wish it was. Uh, um, look, the,
2: the Jags are in a tough situation. Back to them on look. They can't really. They can cut portals. They can do a post June one cut and save a lot of money, but they're also going to have a big cap number against him. Yep. you know, Leonard Fournette. They can get out of it. They can get out of his deal without spending a lot of cash, but there is some cap implications there. They're just going to have to figure something out soon because they're already a few million dollars over the cap next year.
0: Yeah, you have a couple of big decisions. You got to figure out what you got to. I know that Leonard Fournette and the Jaguars already met. You got to make sure he's healthy, and you yes. got to make sure he's going to play. He can't have this like Jake questioned his manhood, and for good reason because it was slight, slight injuries that usually guys play through. And listen, I don't know what's going on with him. I can't. No, I don't want to speculate. But
2: you, you, also have to look at the situation because there's a bigger picture here, and there's the way his LSU career ended.
0: Yeah.
1: And look,
2: I never criticize a player. You're not getting paid. No. So if you you don't want if you're banged exactly up and you don't right. want to play and you have a multi million dollar payday coming, I, I am bless, yeah. I am pro sitting out bowl games. Yep. I'm pro all of this. Yep. Get your money. Yep. Because if you tear your ACL, yep.
1: I'm, I'm like yep. Bryce Love.
2: Yep. You tear your ACL, all of a sudden you've lost all these millions of dollars you're never getting back. So I I am full. Get your money, but you still have to look at the big picture of the way his LSU career ended. And the way his NFL career has been going, it was the same knock on Jadavion Clowney before this past year, where he really looked like a monster this year. Yeah, was like, okay, you took it easy, you sat out, and then you come in the NFL and you are hurt all the time. Yeah, like I mean, so you have to factor that in, even if I am pro you doing that move, it is a factor in your career long thing. There's, to me, I always, I still think Leonard Fournette is overrated. I agree. I said it coming in the year <laughs> on a per carry basis he is nothing special. Great. He's a battering ram. He can take a lot of carries per game and that's and that's great. You can use that but from a pure just overall talent perspective, he's not one of the 10 or 15 best running backs in the league, no. and he's not going to be. No, He's a starter caliber running back, yeah. but he's not this overwhelmingly special player that was worthy of a top five pick in the draft.
0: No, and maybe you figure out a great running game with him and TJ Yeldon in tandem, and you've seen I'm TJ, T.J. Yeldon have tons of success in, in Leonard Fournette's uh, absence, but I think that, that system works if both guys are healthy. I think you yes. figure out how to do the two running back system where as a fantasy owner, I say, eh, stay away yeah, from an early draft pick, but from a football perspective, it makes a lot of sense. Yes. Uh, let's move on to the Arizona job. Now they do not have an offensive coordinator. We already talked to you about Cliff Kingsbury and our thoughts mm-hmm. on there. And a lot of it was riding on who he was going to hire on his staff. Yes. Now, offensive coordinator, Jim Bob Cooter has interviewed, interviewed for the for job. job. I think that would be a great hire. I love Jim Bob. I think he's a great offensive mind. Um, and I think it would be a, g- a good tandem of Cliff Kingsbury and Jim Bob Cooter.
2: And they're, they're, they're not the same. and I, But there are similarities between the way Josh Rosen plays football and the way Matthew Stafford Agreed. plays football. I think they're, they're close there. And, and then I know that the, the Jake always comes up with Jake Collar. They're, yeah. they're very similar – Very similar cut from similar cloth.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and so I think that would be a strong hire for them. Obviously, I don't like the idea of hiring like the Texas State coach. No. Like, to me, I'm like, you, you have to be careful going that far outside.
0: You have to. Here's the, the thing. NFL. You of uh, okay. You got the the head coach, the OC, the DC, and special teams. But for this purpose, we're talking head coach, offensive and defense. You hire Cliff, okay, who is a question mark, and I'm being nice, okay. Yes. I'm being nice here. He's
2: a very pretty question mark. It's
0: a very pretty question mark. Okay. So for me to like the staff, I needed to see them go out and get guys who are proven guys, not Texas State guy who I've never heard of. I need offensive coordinator who has experience, who's proven that he can win, and defensive coordinator experience. Now, on the defensive side, I like the hiring of Vance Joseph. He's been a head coach, okay? Not terribly successful as a head coach, but he's been a head coach.
2: I want to talk about that because this is a theme here. Sometimes – because I've seen a lot of people react on on social media this negatively across the league. Just because you failed as a head coach – does it take away your career's worth of work?
0: No, absolutely not. And
2: we're going to talk about a couple guys that failed miserably as head coaches, but I think are awesome hires and coordinator positions. For sure. Like, just because you had – and look, we'll talk about – he's not a guy we're talking about right now because he's not hired, but, like, a lot of people are, like, laughing whenever Mike McCoy interviews for a job. Look, that was a brutal start to the year. Yeah. Mike McCoy has a number of years of being sure. very damn good at working with good quarterbacks like Peyton Manning and Phillip Rivers. Yeah. I mean, so – working under Ken Wizenhaunt and, and I mean they're all so sometimes we forget and we look at these guys like, oh, they had one bad year or two bad years as a coordinator or head coach, like, oh, all, all of a sudden they suck now and they don't deserve to coach. It's it's a very weird mentality people outside of the football world have.
0: I, I try this. and I always have this analogy when I talk to my friends. I go, I would hope that if you, you know, my dad's worked thirty years in in, in his industry, I would hope that he wouldn't be evaluated on his single worst year. Yes. I, I, I don't Especially use,
2: if he goes back a job.
0: Yeah. I, I, sure, say, you,
2: if you hired Steve Wilkes to be another head coach right now, I would say I don't understand what you see.
0: No, but – Hire I
2: mean, Steve Wilkes to be your D.C. in Cleveland makes a ton of sense.
0: Absolutely. We'll and talk I about think, that in a bit, but and, you know, and I think that's, same thing with Vance Joseph. That's where Vance Joseph to me is he can help Cliff with a lot of the stuff that he's not going to be used to because being a head coach – at Texas Tech is a lot different than being a head coach in the NFL, people. A lot more expectations, yeah. a lot more stuff that you have to do that you he's not fired used from to that doing. Game. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, especially considering he was at his alma mater. Okay. So he didn't even get the full experience of what it's like necessarily because you get a little bit more leverage. I and mean, there's
2: different worlds.
0: Yeah. It's just different Which worlds. could be a good thing
2: for Cliff. Yeah. Again, I, don't, I mean, it could be good. There, there, there are positives and negatives to being a head coach in both systems.
0: For sure. Listen. I will stand by this. This is exactly what I've said. It was high risk, high reward. I didn't agree with the high risk because you already just came off the high risk job. Okay. That's why I I wasn't a big fan of this, but they can salvage what I think could be a good staff. If they hire Jim Bob Cooter or another offensive mind who's smart alongside Vance Joseph, I think, listen, Vance do what this defense does best. You have a lot of good pieces there. The, The moral of the story is, don't take a defense that wasn't broke and try and fix it, yeah. okay? The defense was damn good in Arizona for a long time. And and Steve Wilkes' biggest fault in this whole scenario is he took a system that was working and changed it to fit what he did instead of adapting to what his players did. And it didn't
2: work. It, I and, and, we'll and see it, that fight, it backfired. And we'll see what they can salvage. I mean, the, the problem is is it's – there are still pieces there, but, you know, you have to decide, are you going to bring back Dion Buchanan? Can you save Hassan Reddick? I mean, I mean, you've got Patrick Peterson still. But th- that defense was starting to slowly get worse over time because they were missing yeah. guys like Tony Jefferson and Tyron Matthew and, and other yeah. pieces of the team that have – Calais Campbell yeah. that have all gone gone by the wayside but or to other teams. But there are some pieces there still. I just – to me, I just – I like the Van Joseph hire. Just overall, I'm still – the Kingsbury hire makes me just very nervous. Yeah, I just, for sure. I I, I, I feel like you're chasing something that happens naturally and you're trying to force it. Yeah. I just feel like that never works.
0: I also think you're chasing in your division because you're looking up at Sean McVay and you're looking up at Kyle Shanahan for that but matter. It's, and, it and, it goes, and and Pete Carroll cannot be forgotten.
2: And it goes back to thinking about when like McVay and Shanahan were hired. And I, I know we've, we've, we've talked that now as people are probably sick of us talking about yeah. the, the lineage there. Too bad. But here's, but here's one aspect of it. Those guys were ready. Those guys had, had had multiple head coach interviews over the years. They were pieces of people went, okay, they are the next crop. Yeah. They weren't surprise hires because they were trying mm-hmm. to find the next Mike Tomlin or trying to find no. the next Bill Belichick or trying to find the next this. They were guys that were – when Sean McVay got hired, people were like, okay. Yeah. Like he was the hot young prospect. It makes sense. When Kyle Shanahan got hired, everyone said, it's just a matter of time before Kyle Shanahan got hired. People are now trying to pull guys out of nowhere. Thank you. And make them that. When it's they a big weren't. weren't Even beyond the background. They they were ready at that point. they were ready. They were,
0: and they proven, were right. And proven. And proven, Jamie. Proven. And they success. were again
2: they were they're Mike Shanahan guys. Yeah. And I think we continue for Mike Shanahan is a Hall of Fame caliber coach.
0: <laughs> yeah. Kyle Shanahan grew up around... Literally. Yes. Could not be
2: closer to Mike Shanahan than Kyle Shanahan. Thank you. His son. Yeah. And Sean McVay who learned there. And, and, and you look at all the, a lot of the pieces that were there on the Mike Shanahan coaching tree. Gary Kubiak, by the way. Hello. Yeah. Like there are, I mean, there's some there's some value there. And maybe in a few years, the Kyle Shanahan and the, the Sean McVay coaching trees will make sense. I believe in five, six, seven, eight years' time... We will start to see a coaching tree from those guys that are off of. Maybe Zach Taylor starts that already. We'll talk about him in a second. Yeah. But you, you maybe you'll get there. But understand that those guys spent years uh-huh. learning that spot. They didn't yeah. go for one or two years and get that coaching job. And I think, I think teams are just they're so enamored to try to catch lightning in a bottle and to be that like, oh, we need to find that guy. We need to find that guy. That they they, they missed the point point. Yes. And, and they missed the evaluation process that got those two guys to jobs in the first place.
0: Yeah. I 100% like the, agree.
2: It's it's a there it was a process to get there.
0: Yeah, and at the end of the day, guys, there's 32 head coaches in the NFL. There are not it, Hall of Fame, game changing, co- are not just sitting around. Okay. Yes. they're not just hanging out at a Starbucks getting ready to have their name called. There's a there's a process, and there's a proven process for how this works. And I just I just feel like we're in a danger zone here with trying to make stuff happen out of nothing and I think that that's listen I hope I'm wrong I hope Cliff hires two great guys and has the and has the right guidance and the time to get to get it done and listen we're going to find out a lot about Josh Rosen because I'm not I'm not sold on Josh Rosen as a as a great quarterback yet either we didn't see enough we saw good stuff we also saw really bad stuff Uh, I want to talk about the Atlanta Falcons we're going to move on Uh, Dan Quinn fired both his offense and defense. clean house on a coaching staff perspective uh, somebody who he knows very well, coming from the division. Dirk Cutter got fired. Uh, comes over to coach the offense.
2: He knows DC
1: very well.
0: Yeah, and the the DC is Dan Quinn. <laughs> uh, so that will be interesting. Um, I know I've said to you, listen, if Dan Quinn's specialty was defense,
2: yes, Seattle guy,
0: Seattle guy, he Least came a boom guy. He came over to Atlanta to fix what had traditionally been a awful defense, and they
2: still, and they
0: are still terrible. Uh, I know that they struggled with injuries this year. I'm not. I'm not have, pretending like that. Problem. They they need to get significantly better for Dan Quinn to keep his job because I think this is when I see both guys get fired. I think I my my timing this is, is this is his last year, yes. and if he doesn't win in this Matt Ryan Super Bowl window, there the, he's probably going to get fired. And from an offensive coordinator position, my thoughts first, and then I'll let you speak on it, Jamie. If you can't win with the talent from an offensive perspective, because Matt Ryan had a great year, you have Julio Jones, you have Calvin Ridley, you have you have you have pieces on offense. They got to fix their defense to win. Bottom line, and and I yes. think for me, Dirk Cutter, he has head coaching experience. You know, he can coach offense, but to me, it's like if you can't coach this offense, I don't really know the. So I don't care as much about that hire. I'm more looking at this and going. Dan Quinn needs to fix this defense.
2: Right now, if gun to my head, I think the coach with the highest probability of getting fired mid season next year is Dan Quinn. I agree. And I think Dirk Cutter can be the the interim head coach that gets him through the year. I think that that's what this could very well turn into. That defense in Atlanta has been bad for a while. They only have a few pieces that you truly like. You obviously love Deion Jones, one of the best linebackers in football. But they don't have enough pieces elsewhere. That Mm -hmm. defense is not talented enough. It's not that they've underperformed. They don't have the talent. They aren't good enough to be a top half of the league defense. And with the way that offense – how good that offense has been. Again, you added Calvin Ridley this year that really helped boost them. You will you presumably get Devontae Freeman back for the whole season. You might not have Tevin Coleman there, but you have Devontae Freeman and Edo Smith and, uh, yeah, you and got Hill. And you've, got, you've got pieces on that offense, but you've got to be able to stop somebody in that division. You have strong offenses in the Saints in that division. Carolina, when they're clicking, has a strong offense. Like you, Tampa Bay's offense
1: yeah.
2: is, was already good and is going to get even better, better now. And They have their own defensive problems they have to figure out, and we'll talk about them in a little bit. But you have to be able to play some defense to stop these guys. You have the offense like you have a playoff-caliber offense. You Absolutely. Have an arguably, you have a Super Bowl-caliber offense.
0: mm mm-hmm. We've got seen a, it.
2: But you've got one of the worst defenses in football.
0: Yeah. You're not going to win your division. At the end of the day, you're not going to beat the Saints – and Carolina's going to figure it out. I, I think they're going to if Cam's healthy. If healthy, you're going to have a you're going to have a better Carolina team. Oh wait, that's oh, a fun
2: off season story to pay attention to.
0: Yeah, and oh by the way, Cause the, the, cause, Tampa Bay made you know, tons of changes and 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 are offensive, and offensively, offensively we're top five in nearly every category. They can't already. stop
2: anybody in their division. Yeah, that that that's the biggest problem that they have. That, and look, I don't know if they'll be able to figure it out because. You can fire all the coordinators you want. That defense didn't get any more. There's no more talent on that defense now than there was six months ago. Now, we'll see how they draft. We'll see what they get free agency. But I'm not sure scheme is the problem there. I just think no, they're not very
0: good. No, and I would tell you that to ask Dan Quinn to have the same success he had with Seattle,
1: the, the, please the, look at
0: the players that were on that Seattle defense. You're talking the about the in, the entirety of that Seattle defense when they were Super Bowl team. The, across, they were Pro Bowl level at Literally every, every you position. Michael, you
2: have Michael Bennett up front. You have Bobby Wagner, Earl had, Thomas, you Sherman. Three quarters of your secondary, and then whoever they decided of the second corner was.
0: I mean, Michael Bennett. I mean, they had th- that entirety of that defense. My favorite global. thing about
2: the Legion of Boom was like that random cornerback that just kept having to put put there. Yeah, that counted. Like it was Brandon Browner for a while, and yeah. Byron Maxwell. Of like, yeah. yeah, this guy sucks, but the other three guys are awesome. So, so they didn't matter. They get all coming together. Yeah,
1: it didn't matter.
2: Again, talent matters. Coaching matters, talent matters. They both matter. Yeah. Like, I think that part is always like sometimes it's so easy, and it's so easy to look at teams and go like, "Why aren't they doing well?" Well, both of these things have to mesh. Talent yeah. and coaching have to mesh. And this one, I don't think it's a coaching problem. Does't no. mean he's not going to get fired for it.
1: No, but he's responsible. I just think the talent the
2: the level on that side of the ball is it, as great as they've been to find a talent on the offensive side, which they have been. Yeah. I mean you're know, training up for Julio Jones, which everybody killed them for at the time was an awesome decision. Yep. Calvin Ridley, who Looks I good. killed them for at the time, was an awesome decision. Yep. They found running backs at different parts points of the drive. They've done a really good job on that side of the ball. They just haven't been able to come even closer to that on the other side.
0: Yeah, and I think if your offense is clicking on all cylinders, you just need... It's very much like the Saints. You don't need to have a top 10 defense. You just can't have a bottom five defense. That's
2: what I always say. You can't be one of the worst defenses in the league. You just, you just have to be, be average. Yes. And I guess and the concern is, or well, you have to play up to it because Kansas yeah. City had one of the worst defenses Correct. in the league, but they didn't play like that last week. Do yeah. they play like that on uh, this coming weekend? We'll see. Yeah. But no, if they, they do, do, if they play like a bottom five defense on Sunday, they will lose. they're will they not going to the Super Bowl.
0: Guaranteed. 100%. If they, if they play like they played in some weeks, they will not win that Yeah. I mean, we'll game.
2: Do, we're going to do our prediction show with Jake on Friday, but... The, but, but to me, is that you just you can't have any unit on your team that is an anchor that is dragging you down. Like they're not all going to be great. No, but you just you can't, can't, can't have bottom. One that's, that's can't singing, be bottom five. Whether it's your running game, your passing game, your pass blocking game, whatever it is, you just have to be. You can't have anything in the bottom five. Not necessarily statistically, but just in the moment.
0: Yeah, 100%. or else you're, you're screwed. Yeah. Uh, listen, Cincinnati. We will talk about at a later time because Zach Taylor is. By all accords, going to be the head coach here, but he currently has a job and cannot take he's this busy. job. Yeah. um, and we will not know who's going to be on his staff. Have to give a shout out to my guy, Zach, because he's a Nebraska guy, so I'm That's happy person. for I'm happy for him uh, if he and, gets this job. and, and he's
2: a better example of like the the McVeigh coaching tree because Zach Taylor's been talked about for a while. and and again, and, and I know that might feel like a weird like distinction that I'm having. but Zach Taylor has been. What Sean McVay was not quite to the same level, but for a few years yeah. now, where there's at least it's a, it makes logical sense to me that he is getting a head, co- a head coaching had... opportunity this time because he's been interviewing for those positions and has steadily graduated his position over the last sure. half decade. That one makes more sense to me than the guys that just took a picture with Sean McVay at like a fan fest. By <laughs> by. Oh, and again, boy. I'm not saying it's going to necessarily work out. I don't know if that's going to work out or not. There's a lot. Cincinnati has a lot of issues on for it. sure, a and, lot of and issues. Zach
0: Taylor is going to be in for one of the weirdest scenarios from a coaching perspective. But if anything, we've learned it's that, listen, Marvin Lewis kept his job a lot longer than everybody thought. So maybe he's going to get enough time at that job yes. to, to get who he wants and what kind of system he wants and a healthy Andy Dalton because his team looked good when Andy was healthy. They
2: it, it, just, can, it can look good. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, their offense has shown flash of the times. The one thing I do, I do think is important to talk about Marvin Lewis, just very briefly because I 'cause I've got to do it when he got fired. We do have to give him a little credit – Because remember what the Bengals were before he got there?
0: Yeah, thank you. That's a good point. I know they did
2: nothing in the postseason, but just getting there that many times and losing is a hell of an accomplishment for the Bengals.
0: Uh, So one thing I thought about that we're going to do now, just because I thought about it while we're doing it, is one of the offseason podcasts is we're going to rank all the big three in the NFL, meaning quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Because when I look at that position with Cincinnati, that's what gives me hope that they can be good. Because AJ Green, Joe Mixon, and Andy Dalton, when healthy, can be very, very good. And oh, by the it's way, they have caveat. they have a lot of they have a lot of two wide receiver, three wide receiver, tight end positions that are also very good. So I think, but when you look at that core of the big yes. three, uh, where you used to look at. Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and Ben Roethlisberger and yeah. go, man, oh, man, is there anything better than that? We might have just Ben Roethlisberger, which is crazy to think I mean, think
2: Ben Roethlisberger, about. James Conrad, Juju Smith-Schuster aren't a terrible big fan sure. anymore either. For but- sure.
0: But it's a different it's a different conversation for, for sure. All right, let's move on to Cleveland uh, since we're already talking about this division. Freddie Kitchens, uh, listen, we know Freddie well. Jake knows Freddie well. He was a coach here in Arizona. Um, he, he's been in the conversation for a little while. And what he showed with Baker this year is ultimately what got him the job. Yes, absolutely. Um, Baker wanted him to be the head coach. Baker wanted that offense to stay. And and that's what got him this job. Um, I think from a defensive perspective here, we're going to talk about second chances. And that Mm -hmm. is Steve Wilkes comes in as the defensive coordinator, a lot of pieces to like in Cleveland on the defensive side. And listen, I know Arizona fans will say otherwise. Steve Wilkes knows how to coach defense. He just, yes, it wasn't a great scenario here in Arizona, and he deserves a, a, a second opportunity um, a, and an opportunity to get back in the league and, and show that he he can coach defense. And
2: from a raw talent perspective, this is the best defense he's got a chance to coach in the NFL. I agree. Uh, I know he doesn't have a Luke Kuechly like he did in Carolina, yeah. but he's got. I mean, he's got a lot of pieces there. Like Denzel Ward looks like a again a pick that everybody killed them for. Looks like a. St- Dar yep. at the cornerback position. They've got pieces all over the field. I love their secondary with Jabril Peppers. and I mean, I, I like what they're building there. This makes sense to me. I, I, I think you you get a guy that has been humbled a bit by the job he just had, but still has a strong defensive background. The Carolina defense was better under him than it was before. And even though it was only for a brief time, it, it was better there. I, I, I like this a lot. I still think that the Browns are going to have – their expectations are going to be so high next year that there's a lot of pressure on this new staff when there shouldn't be. Yeah. This is – based on what it is now without looking at the draft or free agency, I think this is a 9 or 10 win roster. Yep. In that division because yep. they have, they're have they having to face the Steelers twice and the Ravens twice.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And the Bengals exist. Uh, but –
0: They should be – <laughs> fan base – Wake up call. You should be really happy with nine or ten wins.
2: Yeah, I, I, th- I think they can go four and two in the division. Yeah. I think that's, that's a reasonable explanation. They go four and two. Maybe they get lucky and go five and one. I'm assuming they're, but four and two in that division. They maybe win nine or ten games in the wildcard contention. That's fine. People are going to talk about this team as a dark horse Super Bowl pick. I'm no, telling you right now. No, no. Rewind this podcast this point in, what is it, January? So in June. When everybody's making their, like, "Oh, what's the surprise pick? What's the surprise team?
1: No. It's going to be the
2: Browns. Yep. They're going to say it's going to be the Browns and the Rams in the Super Bowl or something like that. Like, that's yeah. what's going to happen here. And I know it. And, like, USA Today is going to pick the, the Browns to go to the AFC Championship game. Like, I can see it already. I can see the offseason already. Be happy with progression. Yeah.
0: You, you took, progress- took a
2: huge step forward this year. I think you're going to take another step forward next year. I think you're going to be a playoff contender, and I'll probably pick them to be a wild card team next
0: year. I will, too. Depending but, on how everything But you know out. what?
2: And maybe you can even win a playoff game next year. And to me, that would be awesome.
0: Yeah. Being in, play, being in the playoff. Being in Yeah. Being in contention for the playoff should be a good thing.
2: Realistically, based on the rosters right now, can you make a really, really strong argument that they're not the third best team in the AFC North? No. Team? I'm not sure. They're, they're not far back of Pittsburgh and no. Baltimore. But they're also—I can't make a strong case that they're ahead of them.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm sorry, I got to gotta see it. I've seen it from Baltimore and Pittsburgh for a long time. Baltimore's and
2: I, defense is better. Pittsburgh's offense is better. Yeah. I still think Antonio Brown's going to be back in Pittsburgh. I but even agree. if he's not, depending on who they get there, I'm not that worried about it. They, they do they, they didn't have Le'Veon Bell this year, so we have to stop talking about Le'Veon Bell as yeah. a quote-unquote loss.
0: Yeah. And I know they didn't make the playoffs this year, but it's that was a huge talent. They just had drama happening in that organization. Now let's talk about Todd Monken who joins from Tampa Bay who helped orchestrate the best passing offense in the league. Okay, They also had the third best total offense in the league despite going back and forth between Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Listen, I love this hire for Baker in tandem with Freddie. I think this makes a lot of sense. You have a lot of what you saw Tampa Bay be able to do reminds me of stuff that Baker's able to do. Okay, I, I'm not saying that Fitzpatrick is Baker Mayfield, but that kind of swagger that they both have yeah. in, in the same way. I'm going I'm to chuck the ball. Mark is not going to coach scared. No, he's not going to coach scared. No, there's
2: not going to be conservative about this offense. That's
0: exactly what I'm trying to say. I think this makes a lot of sense when you're looking at this coaching staff in totality. I like bringing Wilkes as, yeah. as a guy in to coach that defense, a guy who – Freddie kitchens and todd monken aren't really specifically Freddie kitchens he's not really gonna have to do that much no, with the and, and, he, and
2: he shouldn't be in, in that room that much
0: no and and that's which is you, fine by which the is way. what it like, should a head be Head coach has
2: a lot of responsibility and and that's why so we've talked about like these Kingsway hires and some of these other ones of and, and even fitfangio of yeah. that there's a lot of added responsibility just becoming the head coach so basically you've been doing everything you've been doing your entire career yeah. and then double that work yeah and a lot of it's BS when it comes to football. Yeah. A lot of his press conferences, or you have to do these meetings with the owners, or these yeah. dinners, or your radio hits. or A lot of that stuff, which again, is important in the overall scheme of things, but it's not important on the football field. No. There's a lot of things you have to do here. Uh, you know, with Cleveland, with Mongan, I, I think this is really good news for David Njoku. Yeah, who, I agree. Because if you remember, the, he was the second tight end taking that draft. You remember who the first tight end was? It was J. Howard.
1: Oh, yeah. And
2: the way that they used, and the way they used the tight ends in that offense, I think that is the biggest chance... For Baker to grow is, yes, it's nice to, to throw deep to Antonio Callaway. You've got Jarvis Landry as your kind of
1: – you're more possession yeah, yeah. possession
2: type receiver there. But I think it's getting a tight end involved in that offense and giving Baker a true check down because I don't think Nick Chubb is a good check down running back. No, Duke Johnson could be, but they Man. I don't know what they're doing with Duke Johnson. They seem to kind of be all over the field of whether they want to use him in that role or not. And do you really want to take Chubb off the field?
0: Yeah, I'm going to be paying close attention to this offense from, from a fantasy perspective, and I think you bring up a great point, bringing up David Njoku, because if they can do anything like what they did in Tampa Bay, that's a huge upgrade, not only for Baker, but for, for that offense in general and for David Njoku from a fantasy perspective.
2: I, I still think they need one more pass catcher. I think I they need one more receiver in that yeah. offense. Uh, to me, I would – it's not going to – I don't know if they can make it happen because so I don't want to spend a high pick on this, but put Hollywood Brown – in this offense, <laughs> I think I think they need somebody. I know is kind of the deep threat guy, but they need somebody that's a game changing slot receiver. Yeah, I, and to me, Hollywood Brown has the best opportunity to be that.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, listen, we uh, Denver, we talked about Vic Fangio, and he currently does not have an offensive or offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator as it sits. We as we discussed earlier on in this podcast, it was. Supposed to be uh, Gary Kubiak. It seemed yeah. like it was a done deal, and then it wasn't. Um, so we will reevaluate them when we have more to talk about because we don't have anything yeah, more other than Vic there. at that point. Uh, Green Bay is the next job we're going to talk about. Matt Lafleur. Uh, they retain Mike Petton on the defense, and which seems hired... like they want
2: to do that all along. Yeah, I so felt like that, like that was a requirement of the job, was which that...
0: which I'm not really sure I like all that much. But I don't. I don't. Yeah, it's a, it's meh to me. They didn't go out and get anybody that is sexy from a defensive side where I thought they could have and upgraded because that's a weakness of this football team. Um, but they go and hire uh, Nathaniel Hackett um, as an offensive guy coming from Jacksonville. Uh, listen, I, I think Lafleur is going to be the guy who's who's going to be running that offense. Hackett from all accords has been reported that he's he's not going to be a guy who isn't afraid to challenge Aaron Rodgers, which I think is – it's one thing to say it now. It's another thing for it to actually happen when you're coaching it. Yeah, the
2: guy got fired for coaching Blake Bortles. I'm sure going to
1: stand up there, Rodgers. That's what I, I – I'm C, not this,
0: – this, this staff now, okay, is meh to me. D- it's C. It's not, it's not A. It's not F. Yeah, it's, it, it's right in the middle it, because it doesn't do anything for me.
2: It does nothing for me. And this, look, this was a no-win situation because Aaron Rodgers is the head coach of this football team. Whether Correct. people want to admit it or not, Aaron Rodgers is the head coach, at least at this stage of his career. You have two guys that are very unproven at that offensive side. Like Matt LaFleur to me is, again, I, he could be something, but I don't know. No, I feel like this like, is – yeah. I don't feel like last year was a great judge of what Tennessee could do because, again, I don't I, – His Mariota was hurt. And, again, I think Mariota is a very limited starter. I know mm-hmm. Jake Blinks, he's a starting caliber quarterback in the league. I don't. Yep. I think he'd be a very solid backup. Um, matter of opinion there. Nathaniel Hackett had his struggles in the Jacksonville offense before getting fired this year. So – to me, I, from just a – based on what I've seen the last couple of years, this doesn't do much for me. But I also know that Aaron Rodgers is going to run the offense Aaron Rodgers wants to run. Yeah. And I, so
0: – Get ready for a dream. Whatever. A. I, I don't – I, I thought that this job was worse than what Packer fans thought it was. Oh, okay? definitely.
2: Packers fans think they're, they're a playoff
0: team. Correct. And this – the hiring that they made and the staff that they – proves my point. It wasn't an attractive job for a lot of people. It wasn't a job that everybody said, yes, I get your, your, your coaching Aaron Rodgers, but not much else. The That's expectations are now.
2: through the roof. Like, I like some of the pieces they have on defense in two to three years, but at that point, what Aaron Rodgers – what is Aaron Rodgers going to be in two to three years? What yeah. is his health going to be like in two to three years? I think I like – from a front office standpoint, I like what they're operating with now more than five or six years ago when the team wouldn't sign a free agent. Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't draft particularly well. They're starting to put pieces in place. The problem is, I'm not sure they're going to get to the caliber they need to be in time for Aaron Rodgers' window. Maybe they are, but Aaron Rodgers still has a massive injury history.
0: Yeah, he's not. And I know everybody, and I've seen this on Twitter, is is comparing it to what Drew Brees is doing at his age and what Tom Brady's doing at his age.
2: Drew Brees had one injury. Tom Brady had one. Yeah, they're not one. Literally one injury. Tom Brady had the ACL on the hit. Uh, on that on that hit, and Drew Brees diving for the end zone to try to win a playoff game got his shoulder destroyed.
0: Yeah, that's it. But that was it. Those guys don't miss time. No, not collarbone. Aaron Rodgers misses every other season. Yeah, no. Aaron Rodgers has had multiple injuries, and oh, by the way, got taken out of his last game this season for another concussion. I just, I think that it every... was play hard
2: all year. Like he was not healthy after that no. one.
0: No, he was not. Which was very apparent when he came back into the game. So I think when I look at this. When I look at the staff and listen, you could say bias or whatever. I look at it and I just evaluate it from a coaching perspective and it doesn't do anything for me. That's why it gets a seat. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, a big we talked about it when Matt LaFleur got hired. We all agreed we we're meh. And Nathaniel Hackett doesn't do anything to move the needle the other way. And neither does Mike Patton. Uh Miami, quickly, Brian Flores is projected yeah. to go there. We'll see what that staff looks like. We'll evaluate it when it gets to that point. Um, the New York Jets obviously hiring Adam Gase. Him bringing – His Do-
2: googly eyes to the, the – that was amazing. It was. That was the best pre-press conference thing I've ever of, seen. Of
0: all time. Uh, Dole Loggins coming with him or Loggins, however you say his last Please name. Loggins. Loggins I he, listen. Call Adam, into
2: the show. And... Yeah,
0: here, here's the thing. Adam Gase is going to run this offense. So to me, the offense coordinator doesn't do much yeah. for me. I want to see who they are well, Greg defense. Williams. Yeah. Uh, so it seems yeah, like we're going to hire
2: Greg Williams barring something changing, which I think makes perfect sense.
0: That's a, that's a good uh, staff. Yes. And
2: also, it's a very different – and, and uh, shout out to uh, a, a former colleague of mine at, at fanrad Gary Phillips, because he mentioned that it's going to be a completely different attitude. You got used to Todd Bowles mm-hmm. in that room. All of a sudden, yeah, you're going to get somebody that's not going to be nice. Is not going to try no. to be like, hey, he's not going to sit there and put his arm over your shoulder and coach you up. He's going to curse you out.
0: Yeah, no, we've seen Greg Williams. So,
2: and by the way, they're both excellent defensive minds. Just they have different philosophies of how they get there. Greg Williams is not is not shy. He's not going to be the I'm sorry, not going to be the father figure that's going to you know say, okay, let's go over what you did wrong here. Yeah, he is going to curse. You out, and he's gonna do it on the sideline. He's gonna do it wherever he's gonna do it. So, but he's a good hire there because yeah, I he think is. I don't hate the Gase hire as much as everybody in New York seems to hate the Gase hire.
0: But it's New York. I knew they were gonna hate no matter I, what. And happens. I
2: understand. Like I look, and I, I we're good friends with Kyle Krabs from Draft Network. Yeah, he's a Dolphins fan. He's not a fan of Adam Gase. He watches the Dolphins religiously, so I do take his opinion because he watches the Dolphins closer than. Well, I'm not going to watch the offense that closely yeah. anymore, but uh, since, I, since I moved out of Miami. But I still think this is a decent hire. I, I like what they can do with Sam Darnold. I think there's enough pieces there. Again, they add a couple pieces on offense, and I think they're in a really, really, really good shape there. Greg Williams' hire is the perfect piece there. They're different personalities; they can handle different rooms. Gase is not going to be threatened by Greg Williams. Greg Williams isn't going to get that job in New York because Greg Williams in that New York media would Which, be a disaster. Yeah, it would never. Happen. Um, but it, it's a good spot there. I'm I'm, I'm so happy he turned down the seven head coaching offers to take that DC job in New York. It's very 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 admirable of him.
0: Listen, Adam, and there's
2: pieces Gase, on the chess defense
0: with all with lover guy Kyle Krabs. Adam Gase is a smart offensive mind. Okay, I don't think if you think otherwise, you're just wrong. Adam Gase is a smart offensive and, mind. And I don't
2: think the criticism of him is about his offensive mind. I think I think it's it, as a head it, it leadership built
0: for sure. And I think where you're talking about what the difference here will be is take what you've learned. Okay, and and, and I think I think. All whatever aside, I think he did a hell of a job coaching a Miami team this year. This year. And I I think Probably
2: underperformed two years ago and overperformed this year.
0: Correct. And I think what happens here is you bring in a guy like Greg Williams, who is a big personality, who's going to coach this defense, and Adam Gase isn't going to walk into that room. It's going to be the it's Greg, and it's going to be the Greg Williams show, and they've got a lot of pieces to like on that defense, a lot of young guys, and they're going to be they have a lot of cap room, okay, to go out and get some pieces to to complement so much cap, yeah, to complement. And I don't think that's that's one of the biggest plus sides of this job yes. is whoever, and in this case, Adam Gase is he's going to be able to handpick a lot of what he puts. Inside this offense with Sam Darnold and it's on not, a rookie deal. it's gonna look completely different than it did last year. And that's why I think when I look across this this coaching job here in New York and who he's put together on his staff, I like the tandem because mostly because of Greg Williams yes. to add to Adam Gase and because of the amount of cap room they have, they're gonna be able to significantly upgrade this roster yes. in Adam Gase's image.
2: And they have a fairly high pick too. So I mean they, I mean there, there's a lot of things that go into that. Uh, and we'll see. I, I'm not. I know everyone has decided that they're, they're signing Le'Veon Bell, and that's that's that. I don't. I still don't think that's going to happen. But maybe it does. But we'll see. I, I, I don't know. I, I to me, the biggest beneficiary of having being in New York is Kenyon Drake in Miami.
0: Yeah, that's. I
2: don't know what happened there. I don't know why he didn't. But I, I said it in the preseason. There was just something there. Uh, so that's for a fantasy perspective. I, I really like Kenyon Drake more next year because, I, for whatever reason, he was in Adam Gase's doghouse.
0: Yeah, I, I don't really know why. Uh, okay, the last staff we're going to talk about and <laughs> save the best for last. Uh, Bruce Arians obviously gets the head coaching job in Tampa Bay. But alongside Bruce, Todd Bowles takes the defensive head coaching, uh, assistant head coach here, okay? Uh, he's going to be the defensive yeah. coordinator. Byron Lefwich is going to call the offensive plays. Coordinator off and Oh, by the way, Harold Goodwin is also going to be on the staff as the offensive line run game coordinator. Uh, so you bring all these guys in together, and you have a hell of a staff for a yes. lot of reasons. One, Todd, although he got fired in New York, can coach the hell out of a defense. And yes. if Tampa Bay has one weakness... It's the oh, defensive it's, side
2: of the football. It's a massive weakness
0: too. for sure, and they're going to have some room. And Keith to Armstrong,
2: him. by the way, too. We should mention special teams coordinator. Yes, as well.
0: yes. It's it's a great staff that they've put together. Uh, Bruce is not going to be calling the plays as of now. He's going to let Byron have that job, but has said, "If I need to, uh, I will." I saw Bruce over the weekend. He's as as excited as I've seen him in a long time. He looks like himself. He's super pumped up about coaching yeah. Jameis. Uh, it's it's really, I'm excited to watch this football team because I know, we already saw, I already just mentioned, third in total offense and the best passing offense yeah. in the whole league. And they went back and forth between quarterbacks. So we know the offense is going to be good. Yeah, they got to get better on the other side of the football. And, and
2: they need to find a way to run the ball, whether that's with Ronald Jones, whether it's, I, I don't think Peyton Barber is anything more than a complimentary piece, even though he did run hard the last half of the year. I don't know if Ronald Trump is going to be anything. We'll, um, see. we'll see what happens in the second year. Maybe they draft a the guy. Maybe they sign somebody. Um, I, I look at this and I think that this staff is the, the quintessential case of experience. Yep. And, and the ability to bring in, again, you bring in Todd Bowles, who's a head coaching candidate, just came off of a head coaching job as your DC. You bring in Byron Leftwich, who really. He the offense in Arizona will look a lot better under Byron Leftwich than it did under Mike McCoy. Yes, uh, and so I, I like that how you're there. Harold Goodwin it has, has called plays before for mm-hmm. Bruce Arians in the preseason, and they know him. This is the this is the classic case of okay, everybody in the NFL is zigging, and they're saying we need to find the next Sean McVay, we need to find a young guy, we need to find this, and the Buccaneers are zagging and saying, you know what, we're going to go with experience. They can have, bring a staff with experience, and, and Jim Jason Light talked about it at the press conference about experience and about this type of staff and family that Bruce Arians is bringing to the Buccaneers. And they're banking on if you put a cohesive unit with all of these minds in the same room, you will have success. Yep. Now, the problem is, is they have a lot of pieces on defense. They have pieces that you like, particularly at the linebacker position. But there's a lot of work that has to be done yeah, there. No, I mean, there are a lot – I mean – I don't care if they're under the the greatest defensive scheme of all time. With those those players, they're not a top-ten defense.
0: No, they need to upgrade their players, and I think this is another case like we talked about Atlanta earlier. You're going to have, in all accords, a top-ten offense. They had one last yep. year and they went back and forth. So they're they upgraded from a coaching perspective and they're gonna have they're gonna figure out it's gonna be Jameis. Jameis is gonna mm-hmm. be the guy, he's gonna have all the confidence, he's not gonna be sitting out any games, yes. and he's gonna have Bruce Arians over his shoulder. And
2: he's very much plays a similar style to young Ben Roethlisberger. Yes. A a a guy that's just gonna chuck the ball downfield with reckless abandon. I know and aside from the Super Bowl run that they that first one where Ralph Stringer came in for which was Tommy Maddox, who yeah. came in for at the quarterback spot there. You know where he had that like long stretch where he almost like didn't throw an interception, but like the years after that where he Ben's was very much face. a gunslinger. Yeah, mentality. for sure.
0: That's that's who he is, and that's who Jameis is. And if you can tone that down just enough and get him to take care of the football just enough, okay, because he's still going to throw yeah. some picks, he's still going to make some bad decisions, but that's yeah. that's that's going to happen. That's what you that's what you love and love and hate about him, right? Yeah. That's who he is. The talent is there on the offensive side, and we've seen it. So I, I say if the offense isn't going to stay as good, if not, get better. So that side of the football is fine. And Deshaun they, Jackson
2: might want a second 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 you know second guess leaving there.
0: Yeah. Now, so now Just now, now, think
2: about what J.J. Nelson did in the Cardinals offense, Andre Roberts, because they need that slot guy. Because, again, yeah, I love – because I want to see who plays that slot role, whether it's Humphreys, whether it's Jackson, whether it's somebody else. Because, you know, Godwin plays on the outside. He mm-hmm. can – if, if we're trying to compare this to a Bruce Arians, I like to do these comparisons, to the Bruce Arians offense in Arizona. Yep. They, they need that Larry Fitzgerald on the inside because you, you have Mike Evans, who's awesome on the outside, one of the best receivers in football. Who he
0: never really had in Arizona. No.
2: You have Chris Godwin, who can play that Michael Floyd pre-getting invested role yeah. for that team where you have a big guy that can make, those, make tough catches, but he plays on the outside. We haven't seen Bruce use a lot of smaller guys inside because mm-hmm. he's had Larry Fitzgerald, he's had other pieces that he's moved around there. So can, can that be Adam Humphreys, given the way his season ended? He has a really strong chemistry with Jameis Winston, and he showed yep. it the last two years. Is it Deshaun Jackson where you have that kind of that piece there that Bruce Arians hasn't had in a while? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm kind of curious to see who fills those roles on offense. Obviously got two, two strong tight ends. Yep. One great tight end, the other one that's pretty good in the red zone in Cameron great. I, I like to see how all those pieces kind of come together. They yeah. still need a running back in that offense.
0: Yeah, they, they still need a, need a running back in that yeah. offense. And and we're not sure if it's Ronald Jones. That's the that's the thing. Not after the
2: season you just had.
0: No, and listen, I I trust Bruce a lot more than I trust anybody else and to evaluate whether or not he's going to be the guy.
2: Nobody there drafted Ronald Jones except Jason White. Correct. You know what I mean. So I don't know with this. I don't know if there's going to be any allegiance.
0: No, and I we have
2: seen running backs get drafted in the middle rounds and cut within a year or two. We've seen it happen. Yeah. Not often, but we've seen it happen.
0: Yeah. Listen, if if Ronald Jones is going to figure out how to be part of an offense, it's going to be under Bruce Arians. And if he can't, then he's going to be. Out. I just,
2: I just, they need a Bruce Arians running back. They need somebody that that can pass block and catch the ball in the backfield and can hand the ball twenty times a game. Yep. They have, they have the complementary pieces
0: just on the, the on that
2: on that yep. side on the running game, but they just they just need that back.
0: And I think that helps Jameis so tremendously. If you give if you give him a solid a solid running game that he doesn't feel like he needs to take the game over a lot, which he does all the time because I I think a lot of the time, because they don't have a running game. So he feels the need to pass, 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 pass nonstop. And I just don't think long term you're gonna be able to sustain that. And I think for to him to get the best version of himself you, you said it. That you need a good running back that's going to fit this but offense. But
2: the reality is, is you, can, you can win a division with that offense. Absolutely. You can't with that defense. No. And that, that's going to be the biggest thing that you know, Todd Bowles and company are going to have to figure out with. They're not going to be able to completely remake that defense in one offseason. Yeah. But they can make it a little bit better and find out how, how can we get I – and mean, again health matters too. Levante, Dave, and Quan Alexander are excellent, excellent linebackers. Yes, they are. They're phenomenal football players that everybody should know about. You know, Vernon Hargreaves can, can be a strong corner for them. But they need other pieces. And I said they need a lot of other pieces in different spots. I don't know if they're going to keep Jalen McCoy or not. He is not quite the same player he was three or four years ago. It doesn't mean he can't be effective. But they're going to have to figure something out because they're going to have to get pressure on the quarterback and they're going to have to be able to cover because Todd Balls is going to send him.
1: Yeah.
2: So are yeah, you, do you have guys that in one-on-one coverage that you feel confident can shut down other receivers? And I do not have that right now.
0: Yeah. So that's my concern. For sure. All right, Jamie, we went through all the new coaching staffs. Like I said, Cincinnati, Denver, uh, some of these coaching Miami were to be determined. We got to yep. wait and see how, how, they, how they all shake out. And I think Jake mentioned it a couple of podcasts ago that at some point this offseason, we're going to go through all the coaching staffs and rank them yeah. uh, in, in totality. Once, once, they all, once they're all filled out, uh, we'll, we'll go through and, and, and rank all of them. Jamie, any parting thoughts on today's podcast? Uh, my
2: only parting thought is a cheap plug uh, for tvfantasy.com. <laughs> <laughs> a couple new stuff this week. Uh, we're still going to be pushing out some fantasy content. I know there's not really much to talk about during the postseason. But I kind of starting to like look ahead, and, and last week it was about where you guys like Jordan Howard and Lamar Jackson because their teams are eliminated. I kind of I'll type look at their players and see where they should be drafted next year. Uh, this week there were two ones in particular, but then the third one I want to talk about as well uh, about Marlon Mack. and yeah, his, I just uh, saw his, it. his season with the Colts where he ranks you now, he was finished as RB fourteen on a points per game basis. Fourteen running backs were taken in the first two rounds of last year's draft. Does that mean he's a round two pick this year? Hmm. I kind of deep dive in there. And the other one, which you're going to hear me talk about a lot in a few months when we do our QB rankings, that that Dak, Dak Prescott is a better fantasy quarterback than you think. Yeah. And I mentioned it briefly in the last offseason. I'm going to bring it back up again this offseason. This is one of those ones where you have to get perception out of your mind because <laughs> if you want to win in fantasy, all that matters is production, not perception. Yeah. you got to get perception out of your mind and take a look at that. You know what? Especially if you're a two QB league, Dak Prescott is somebody you want to target, and, and here's why in this background. The last one I put up and it went up yesterday – and we're going to do a show where you and uh, you meet UI and speak yeah. words right now. Good thing I don't speak for a living. You, me, and, Dre, uh, and Jake are going to go through and draft our first round or maybe first round or two. We'll probably do it after the Super Bowl. Yeah. But I look back at right now, gun to my head, middle of January, if I had to mock draft the first round, 12-team PPR league, in order, who would it be? And I'd write down the entire first round, who I have going one all the way down to 12. A um, couple, couple surprising names would be on there. They're, put it this way. Guys like Michael Thomas and Julio Jones, not in my first round.
1: Mm, So I know they're in the
2: first rounds for a lot of people. I know ESPN has done some picks and Yahoo has done some, like they're way too early. Neither one of those guys made my first round. So go to tdfantasy.com to see who I would have there in that format and see why. All of them have paragraph explanations about why they're there. It's not just, I'm not just handing out the pick and saying, I'm just take my word for it uh, about why it's there. So go see who I have number one. And it's going to be very interesting because you can kind of get a head start on thinking about what you're going to do next year. And again, how you cancel out the noise? You, the season. This season is very fresh in your mind right now. I think it's very important to take notes about what your thoughts are about top players right now. Yeah. Because when you get six months from now, you might forget certain things. Yeah, narratives sure. might change in the off season, Or you, know, you hear, oh, this guy's on everybody's bus list. Or this guy's on everybody's sleeper list. And like, okay, well, what did I think about that player in the moment? Because yeah, sure. unless something gets hurt, nothing is changing between now and June.
0: No, that's a good point.
2: For any of these players that are going in the first round, there's, for the most part, I mean, we don't know where Antonio Brown's going to go. Is Mark Ingram going to come back? I mean, there's some things like that. But in terms of talent level, a lot of these guys, nothing is changing. It's so easy to fall into the off-season narratives because fantasy football can often be an echo chamber. I see it all the time where one of the top analysts says, this player is a trendy bust. And all of a sudden in the next two weeks in the off-season, he's on everybody's bust list. he to got to cancel out the noise some of the time and go with – who do you believe is the best player at that position? So again, whether you agree with me, disagree with me, whatever, taking notes right now about how you feel about some of the top players in the league will come to help you in draft time.
0: Yeah, no, that's really smart. So be sure guys, like you said, check out TD fantasy.com. Uh, you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram and be sure to be sure to follow TD fantasy at TD fantasy underscore on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and guys, Keep giving us some rankings uh, or ratings on iTunes. It's super helpful for us if you guys leave those ratings because that means other people will be able to to find our podcast and it gets rated higher. So that's super appreciated. I think next year we'll probably have, or maybe in the middle of this year, some stickers or or shirts or something that we can send to people for, for sending out or for giving us ratings. So we appreciate it a lot. Thank you guys. Uh, have a Have a great Wednesday.
1: Thank you for listening to Believe.